Chapter Thirty Three of Mister Midshipman Easy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mister Midshipman Easy by Captain Frank Marriott, read by Adrian Pretzelis. Chapter Thirty Three, in which Mesty should be called throughout Mephistopheles for it abounds in black cloaks, disguises, daggers, and dark deeds. On the fourth evening after the removal of our two midshipmen to the Palazzo of Don Ribiera, as they were sitting in company with Agnes and Don Philip in their own room, a friar made his appearance at the door. They all started, for by his height they imagined him to be Friar Tommaso, but no one addressed him. The friar shut the door without saying a word, and then lifting up his cowl, which had been drawn over it, discovered the black face of Mesty. Agnes screamed, and all sprang from their seats at this unusual and unexpected apparition. Mesty grinned, and there was that in his countenance which said that he had much to communicate. "'Where is the friar, Mesty?' inquired Easy. "'Stop a little, master.' Suppose we lock the door first, and then I tell all." Taking this precaution, Mesty threw off the friar's gown, and appeared in his own dress, with the bag of dollars slung round his body. "'No, Master Easy, I have a long story to tell, so I think it better begin at the beginning.' "'It is the most approved method,' replied Jack. "'But stop when I hold up my finger, that we may translate what you say to the lady and Don Philip.' "'That all right, sir. Friar and I get on two mule as soon as it quite dark. He make me carry all thousand dollars, and we ride out of town. We go up mountain and mountain, but the moon get up shine, and we go on cheek by jowl. He never say one word, and I never say one word, cause I no speak his lingo, and he no understand my English. About two o'clock in the morning we stop at a house and stay there till eight o'clock, and then we go on again all next day, up all mountain, only stop once, eat a bit of bread, and drink liddy wine. Second night come on, and then we stop again, and people bow very low to him, and woman bring in rabbit to make supper. I go in the kitchen. Woman makes stew smell very nice. So I nod my head and say very good, and she make a face, and throw on a table black loaf of bread and garlic, and make sign that for my supper, good enough for a black fellow, and dat rabbit stew for friar. Then I say to myself, stop a little, suppose friar hab all de rabbit. I think I give him a liddy powder. The powder, Mesty? exclaimed Jack. "'What does he say?' inquired Don Philip. Gascoigne translated all that Mesty had communicated. The interest of the narrative now became exciting. Mesty continued, "'Well, Master Easy, then woman she go for dish to put stew in, and I take the powder and drop it in the pot, and then I sit down again and eat black bread, and she say good enough for black man.' She tear up the stew once more, and then she pour it out into the dish, and take it to Friar. 
he lick em chops by all de powers and he like em so well he pick up all de bones and wipe up gravy with him bread you think it very nice master friar think i but stop a little after he drink a whole bottle of wine he tell me bring mules to de door and he put him hands on de woman's head and dat de way he pay for him supper the moon shone bright and we go up all mountain always go up and bout two hour he got off him mule and he put him hand so and set down on de rock he twist and he turn and he groan for half an hour and then he look at me as much as to say you black villain you do this for he not able to speak and then i pull out the paper of de powder and show him and make him sign he swallow it he look again and i laugh at him and he die oh mesty mesty exclaimed our hero you should not have done that there will be mischief come from it no he dead master easy so much less mischief gascoigne then interpreted to don philip and agnes the former of whom looked very grave and the latter terrified let him go on said don philip i am most anxious to hear what he did with the body mesty at the request of our hero proceeded then i thought what i should do and i said i would hide him and i think i take his coat for myself so i pull off him coat and i pull off him other clothes he not wear many and i take the body in my arm and i carry him where i find a great split in the rock above the road i throw him in and then i throw plenty large pieces of rock on him till i see him no more then i take the two mules and get on mine with the dollars and lead the other three four mile till i came to a large wood take off him saddle and bridle turn him adrift then i tear up all clothes all little bits hide one piece here not a piece there and a saddle and bridle in the bush all right now i say so i put on friar cloak hide my face get on my mule and then i look where shall i go so i say i not be in this road anyhow i pass through wood till i find another i go about two mile moon go down all dark and five six men catch hold my bridle and they all got arms so i do nothing they speak to me but i no answer and never show my face they all find dollars damn fast enough and they lead me away through the wood last we come to a large fire in the wood plenty of men lie about some eat and some drink they pull me off and i hold down my head and fold my arms just like friar do they bring me along to one man and pour out all my dollar before him he gives some order and they take me away and i peek through the cloak and i say to myself he that damn galley slave rascal don silvio don silvio cried jack what does he say of don silvio demanded don philip mesty's narrative was again translated and he continued they led me away about fifty yards tie me to tree and then they leave me and they all drink and make merry never offer me anything 
so I have nothing to eat. I eat the ropes, and gnaw them through, and then I stayed there two hour until I'll go asleep, and all quiet, for I say to myself, stop a little. Then when they are fast asleep, I take up my knife, and I crawl along the ground as we do in our country some time, and then I stop and look about me. No man to watch but two, and they look out for squall, not look inboard where I was. I crawl again till I lay down alongside that damn galley-slave Don Silvio. He lay fast asleep with my bag thousand dollars under him head, so I think, you have not them long, you rascal. I look round, and I drive my knife, good aim into him heart, and press to other hand on him mouth. But he make no noise. He struggle little, and look up, and then I throw off the head of the gown, and show him my black face, and he look, and he try to speak. But I stop that, for down go my knife again, and the damn galley-slave dead as herring. "'Stop, Mesty, we must tell this to Don Philip,' said Gascoigne. "'Dead? Don Silvio dead? Well, Mesty, we are eternally obliged to you, for there was no safety for my father while he was living. Let him go on.' So when I put the knife through his body, I lied down by him as if nothing had happened, for ten minutes, and then I take the bag of dollars from under him head and then I feel him all over, and I find him pistols and him purse, which I have here, all gold. So I take them, and I look, all asleep, and I crawl back to the tree. Then I stay to think a little. The man on watch come up and look at me, but he think all right, and he go away again. Lucky ting, by the power, did I go back to tree. I wait again and then I crawl and crawl till I clear of all, and then I take to my heel and run from life, until daylight come, and then I so tired I lie down in bush. I stay in bush all day, and then I set off again back here, for I find road and know my way. I not eat then for one day and one night, and came to house where I put my head in, and find the woman there. I not able to speak, so I help myself, and not show my face. She not like that, and make a boobery, but I lift up my cloak, and show my black face and white teeth, and she tink me the devil. She run out of the house, and I help myself very quick, and then set off and come close here yesterday morning. I hide myself all day, and come in at night, and now, Master Easy, you have the whole truth and you have your thousand dollars, and you have got rid of that rascal friar and the damn galley-slave Don Silvio." "'Tell them all this, Ned,' said Jack, who, whilst Gascoigne was so employed, talked with Mesty. "'I was very much frightened for you, Mesty,' said Jack. "'But still I thought you quite as cunning as the friar, and so it has turned out. But the thousand dollars ought to be yours.' "'No, sir,' replied Mesty, "'the dollar's not mine, but I have plenty of gold in Don Silvio's purse—plenty, plenty of gold.' 
I keep my property, Master Easy, and you keep yours. I'm afraid that this affair may be found out, Mesty. The woman will spread the report of having been attacked by a black friar, and that will lead to suspicion, as the other friars of the convent knew that you left with Friar Tommaso. So I think that. But when a man starve, he quite forget his thought. I don't blame you, but now I must talk to Don Philip. Suppose you no objection, while you talk, I eat something from the table then, Master Easy, for I hungry enough to eat the friar, mule, and all. Eat, my good fellow, and drink as much as you please. The consultation between our two midshipmen and Don Philip was not long. They perceived the immediate necessity for the departure of Mesty, and the suspicion which would attach to themselves. Don Philip and Agnes left them to go to Don Ribiera and make him acquainted with what had passed, and to ask his advice. When they went into the room, Don Ribiera immediately accosted his son. "'Have you heard, Philip, that Friar Tommaso has returned at last? So the servants tell me.' "'The report may be fortunate,' replied Don Philip, "'but I have another story to tell you.' Then he sat down and imparted to Don Ribiera all the adventures of Mesty. Don Ribiera was for some time in deep thought. At last he replied, "'That Don Silvio is no more is fortunate, and the negro would be entitled to reward for his destruction. But for the friar that is a bad business. The negro might remain and tell the whole story and the facts might be proved by evidence of Signor Easy and the letters. But what then? We should raise the whole host of the clergy against our house, and we have suffered too much from them already. The best plan would be the immediate departure not only of the negro, but of our two young friends. The supposition of Friar Tommaso being here and their departure with the negro servant to rejoin their ship will remove much suspicion and destroy all inquiry. They must be off immediately. Go to them, Philip, and point out to them the absolute necessity of this measure, and tell our young friend that I rigidly adhere to my promise, and as soon as he has his father's sanction I will bestow upon him my daughter. In the meantime I will send down to see if a vessel can be chartered for Malta." Our hero and Gascoigne fully admitted the wisdom of this measure, and prepared for their departure. Indeed, now that Don Ribiera's resolution had been made known to our hero, he cared more for obtaining his father's consent than he did for remaining to enjoy himself at Palermo, and before noon of the next day all was ready. The vessel had been procured. Jack took his leave of Agnes and her mother, and, accompanied by Don Ribiera and Don Philip, for Don Martin was on duty a few miles from Palermo, went down to the beach, and having bid them farewell, embarked with Gascoigne and Mesty on board of the two-masted lanteen which had been engaged, and before sunset not a steeple of Palermo was to be seen. "'What are you thinking of, Jack?' said Gascoigne, after our hero had been silent half an hour. "'I have been thinking, Ned, that we are well out of it.' "'So do I,' replied Gascoigne, and here the conversation dropped for a time. 
"'What are you thinking now, Jack?' said Gascoigne, after a long pause. "'I have been thinking that I have a good story for the old governor.' "'Very true,' replied Gascoigne, and both were again silent for some time. "'What are you thinking of now, Jack?' said Gascoigne, after another long interval. "'I have been thinking that I shall leave the service,' replied Jack. "'I wish you would take me with you.' replied Gascoigne, with a sigh. And again they were both in deep contemplation. "'What are you thinking of now, Jack?' said Gascoigne again. "'Of Agnes,' replied our hero. "'Well, if that's the case, I'll call you when supper's ready. In the meantime I'll go and talk with Mesty.'" End of chapter 33